Work. Work exception. Work exception. Dream job. <laughs> oh my Christ. Welcome to the night. Welcome to the nightmare box. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to pour in cheers all in one. Presenting mistakes were made. My name is Brett Bloom. The real Brett Bloom, but we'll get to that here in a minute. <laughs> I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the soon-to-be-insured Kristen Pennington. What? Oh my God, doing adult shit. She's like, I'm going to start a health savings plan. I might, you know. We're doing big things over here. Artist with health insurance. <laughs> hold on to that other job for I, no other reason. If I spontaneously die, Brett will uh, have all the monies to yeah. to go at war with the other not Brett. Real Brett. Um, side note: If Kristen spontaneously dies, I did not kill her. So just so that we're, but Kristen just kind of floated the concept of getting killed for her life insurance checks. So <laughs> clear that up right off the bat. <laughs> be able to blow up a car finally hell fucking yeah i thought that rate i think i could buy like a, a used honda civic <laughs> <laughs> a couple of fireworks but you know uh, two birds one stone though you could put my body in the car and mm. blow up the evidence and you could have a cameo in a film there you go <laughs> <laughs> it's like when wes craven walked by dressed up as freddy krueger in his little sweater being a janitor and shit slightly more violent though yeah a lot more violent like who's that lady in the car she didn't play into the plot at all it's like oh that's his dead girlfriend <laughs> she wanted to be cremated <laughs> again do two birds two that. birds one stone they just scraped her charred ashes off of the leather seats and... oh <laughs> that got dark well, I it, what, another thing we can get into later is the low-budget filmmaking, okay? You can't always afford the fancy fucking props. If a or bitch cremation. wants to get cremated and she likes creating stuff, <laughs> keep her soul happy. You know, Hunter S. Thompson got shot out of a cannon, okay? Live your dream. They cremated him first, though. Well, I bet you that wasn't his idea. <laughs> I bet you that was Johnny Depp's idea. Hunter S. Thompson on cocaine probably said, I want my limp corpse to be shot out of a oh cannon. And Johnny Depp was like, we can't do that on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep up the PR image. Uh, long, <laughs> long work days lead to weird podcasts. Well, they're the, they're the best. Because, the, 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 uh, you know, like relaxed episode. It's like, what are you doing? I'm... You know, having a few beers after work with my beautiful, work work. my effervescent, my soon-to-be uh, insured girlfriend. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to talk to anybody else the way I get to talk to you, or at you, or depending on the mood. I can't just, like, walk Say into... Say these yeah. things to normal people. I can't walk into the lobby of the animal control shop and be like, Hey, yo, if you die, can I borrow your body for a... <laughs> like, I can't say that to you casually over the dinner table, you don't bat an eye. That's <laughs> oh. what two years of dating I'll do for you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm for real though. Like, can you get that on audio recording so that I can play it for the judge? <laughs> can I have her body for an hour to an hour and a half before it's officially cremated? I'll give you part of it back. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get pieces. <laughs> hey, I found her hand, and I'm just waving it by the oh, wrist. God. Uh, like in so, it with the clown. So does that with a five-year-old boy. How's the writing going, Brett? <laughs> it's going good. I'm feeling pretty manic. <laughs> <laughs> like the past couple of days. 
Um, the goal is sixteen sixty seven for Nano. I've missed two days and almost three weeks. Um, uh, so the goal is sixteen sixty seven, and I ran out of gas today. Like I was typing, I was like, I've got one scene. I don't know what the fuck else to write. If I get beyond that one scene, I'm screwed. So I spent the entire afternoon on developing that one scene. And my tank ran empty at word 668, 1668, yeah, 1668, <laughs> one word over. My, my brain is fried, Jesus. You literally gave it everything you had. <laughs> I knew what I meant. <laughs> That's awesome, I knew, Yeah, so I was pretty, pretty pumped about that. Um, I had to make a note to myself in the system that the scene does not go where it currently sits by <laughs> about 20 minutes so i was like oh that would be perfect because that reveals the thing from and you know like i'm kind of tying things back up so there's a big note on the front like this needs to go back like mm-hmm. 40 scenes so for uh, reference today is the 13th so we're nearing mm-hmm. the middle of the month um how many pages do you have done i think i'm at like 85 Something like that. I'm definitely barged so into over yeah. an hour. Yeah, because I had sure. 76 yesterday, and then I, I've been averaging about seven pages a day. So yeah, somewhere in yeah, the you're low pushing 80s, towards an hour 80s. and a half now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very close to an hour and a half. It's gonna be a thick ass script. It's gonna be a lot of fun to go through. Um, I'm gonna be cutting so much out because some of it, you know, as I always say on here, write the frivolous horseshit. A lot of it. Because at the beginning, I didn't really know what my B was. I knew mm-hmm. what my A and where I wanted my C to kind of be. And now I know what my A and my B are, and I have no idea where I'm going to have to shove off. I'm about to give you a, a, a weird compliment slash diss. Don't. I mean, uh. just give me the diss. <laughs> just make so me feel you, good. Uh, you uh, hate on Tolkien all the time, but uh, Don't at the pace... Don't compare me to fucking Tolkien. At the pace that you're going, by the end of this, you'll have a three-hour movie. Yeah. <laughs> a three-hour horror film, a tome of terror, if you will. No, I, I, I'd like to get it. Ideally, um, an hour and a half to an hour forty-five. I'm tempted in my life to write like the two and a half hour Godfather of horror films, <laughs> where it's like, did you see that movie? Like that movie you can never go back and watch again. Like. <laughs> But like diehard fans will, you know, watch it once a month. You know? <laughs> every every Christmas, don't every, watch your horror film. Yeah, like what I do with the Die Hard series, <laughs> and Goodfellas for some fucking weird reason. Uh, <laughs> I will sit down and watch the Goodfellas on a monthly basis. It, 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 I love that movie. But yeah, that's a like kind of got the idea from uh, when we sat and watched Hereditary. Like that was a really long horror film. How long was it? I don't remember. I can't remember, but I think it was over two. Really? Yeah, it was kind of longer. Yeah, it might have been like 145 to two. It might not have been as long as it is in my head, but um, you just feel like you're getting dragged through glass the entire time. You're like, is this over? Oh my God, please. Oh, oh, it's getting so much worse. (laughs) I don't, I don't. Like worse in a good way. Yeah. Right now that would be my goal was knock hereditary right off of its little pedestal i don't want to hate but uh we watched the original texas chainsaw last night yeah. and it's not a terribly long film and i wanted it to end <laughs> <laughs> like there were 
were interesting parts, but I feel like yeah. it would have been better if it was a bit shorter. Yeah, Kristen was not a fan of the idea of watching it in the first place. And I, <laughs> I was, you, you I proposed was hammered. <laughs> you proposed it, and I said, I will allow it. <laughs> I wasn't like, sure. I was like, oh. She's like, what do you want to watch? And I was like, it's only an hour and a half. And then I forgot like how upsetting that film is, and... It's a 70s horror film, yeah. so, you know, it's not as smooth as modern stuff. Which I don't mind that kind of stuff. I think I was just kind of exhausted from being at work all day, so it was kind of a weird time to watch it. Yeah. I'll probably have to go back and revisit it when I'm, like, a weekend, when I've not been mm. at work all day, and I can, like, appreciate it a bit more for what it was. Which is not a bad movie, by any means. Um, it wasn't particularly scary to me, and... Um, it looks so acted now, like it doesn't date well. No, not at all. And I, I think part of it for me is we're in such a completely different place in cinema mm-hmm. uh, this many decades later. and um, It was almost 50 years ago, yeah. Yeah, and um, just the quality of film mm-hmm. now is so much more realistic that it was kind of hard to overlook how limited they were back then. Yeah. It so, looks like it's shot on a camcorder <laughs> well, with it, ambient light. <laughs> not even that, but that, like, the for being a horror film, like, all the violence and the kills and stuff like that did not exist. Like, it was yeah. shot in a way where you never saw any of it, really. And um, there are definitely movies that do that on purpose that yeah. are... Movies that definitely mentally fuck with you, but I, I think just because... Like cause, Psycho, yeah. which was like 20 years before <clears throat> that one. But I, th- I think just because it was shot the way that it was shot and it was acted the way that it was acted, I had a hard time putting myself like psychologically yeah. in that place because I've seen the remake and the remake. I, I think I saw it when I was like... We watched it together recently. We did a two-star on it. Yeah, we did. But I I think the first time I ever watched it, um, actually, I think I've told you that story before. Um, I was a teenager still. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I might have been like 17 or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, My mom and I went and saw it in theaters with my niece, who was still a baby and a baby carrier at the time. She slept through the whole thing. (laughs) So don't at me. But <laughs> yeah, it was we did not thing. traumatize a child. <laughs> but it does go to show that your family is the kind of people who bring a baby to a horror film. <laughs> but that movie, because I'm not. Don't a bring baby. your babies to horror films. It's <laughs> irresponsible. Not, not for the sake would. of the child. No, I wouldn't, because I respect other audience members. She slept through the whole thing. Yeah. Well, then she's a good baby. She didn't disrupt anyone. <laughs> good, but that's a fifty-fifty chance. <laughs> That it ruins a movie or not. The only (laughs) way a baby improves a movie uh, is if it screams right before the jump scare when everybody's already (laughs) tense. Anyway, um, I'm not a big, like, buff for, like, gory films, so I think that movie, like, freaked me out so much that watching the original last night was just kind of like, eh. Yeah, the remakes got the cooler uh, Hitchhiker. Like that bullet through the head, and then mm. the camera moving through the head through the back window is such an insane shot. I didn't realize, um, or I didn't remember, I guess, with the original Texas Chainsaw, the scene where Leatherface kidnaps the girl. Um, I didn't realize how fast that was. 
like in kind of like out of place. Like it didn't feel like it was paced correctly that particular scene because like uh, he hits the boyfriend yeah, over the, the head, girl. yeah, and then he immediately grabs her. I, in my brain, there was so much more space between him killing the boyfriend and him taking her through the door. And it was kind of weird to me because like that was like the first thought that I had too when we were watching it. How fast we knock off the first two kills, mm-hmm. actually. The third one isn't horribly far in either, I don't think. It's a little bit of time. but um, And then how much later we meet the rest of the family and this one girl is, like, left to deal with everything. And I was just like, we're down to, like, the last 15 minutes of film. Like, how are we only here? Are we going to spend 20 minutes listening to the soundtrack and watching her run through the woods being chased? Screaming. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like, shut the fuck up and dive behind a log, okay? I I cannot believe. You're being chased by a seven-foot-tall guy with Down syndrome. Just hide. I cannot believe that that girl survived. No, it only happens in horror films. <laughs> and they just abandoned the black guy, which I completely fucking forgot yeah, about. Yeah, the dude driving the truck. Yeah, the goddamn truck driver shows up. In my head, Leatherface kills him because I think he gets killed in the remake. Um, but in this one, he just says, fuck this white bitch and dips. <laughs> but he leaves his truck like, I don't get Because like, Leatherface was like sawing at the door while the door was closed. He's like, just... Floor the gas, dude. Yeah, get out of there, my guy. Like, he didn't chainsaw through the door. He was yeah. literally just scratching the paint. So it's like, <laughs> hit the gas and go. Get the fuck out of Dodge. Instead, he scoots over to the passenger seat, grabs a wrench, and throws the wrench yeah. at him. He's like, I'm going to go jogging down the street as a large, <laughs> overweight truck driver. <laughs> yeah. And then they just left that dude to die. But it's one of the coolest endings, if nothing else, is that he'd exhausted... Uh, chainsaw dance that Leatherface does. Yeah. Like, there's, uh, I, I wish I'd thought to read up on it before we started recording, but um, I can't remember if that's the director or the guy that played Leatherface um, that does the dance. But I, I want to say it's like the director, but it was so goddamn hot, everybody was delirious, like the entire time they were shooting it. And it was like a for real manic episode. Like the dude went out there and was just like doing the dance with the chainsaw. Like, fuck, please let me end this movie. <laughs> I don't envy the actor who played Leatherface because that mask probably wasn't yeah, terribly comfortable it, it to wear. It wasn't in summer in Texas in yeah. the middle of the desert. It was like 120 degrees outside. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It carried on way too long for me, but interesting... Yeah. Um, dinner scene like all the weird close-ups of her eyes Grandpa. And her, <laughs> her freaking out and screaming and stuff like that was actually kind of a cool scene too long for me though like yeah. the pacing of the film was a lot different than the way movies are shot now so well rob zombie definitely did that exact scene a shitload better in uh, <laughs> house of a thousand with grandpa <laughs> it's a it's a neat study of i, I do appreciate even the ones that i i don't like love, I do appreciate yeah. going back and watching older films because it is a neat study and how films have changed and what you can learn from mm-hmm. them. And no, that's my favorite part about it. And I'll rewatch that, you know, probably before the end of next year. I, I, I will not wait another year before I watch the original Texas Chainsaw. Um, there are a lot of good movies on right now, so I'll probably drag you down the hellhole of watching all these shitty 60s and 70s horror films. I really want to revisit Candyman, because that's on Netflix yeah. right now, and I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I am down for Candyman. So, that's that, a... Yeah. 
that's a in the near future one we may mention in passing. Mm-hmm. There's no way it's rated low enough to be a two star, but that was a movie that freaked me out as a kid, and yeah. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But like that's why I like to go back and watch them. I mean, for the nostalgia mm-hmm. uh, to a level, but just seeing the change in cinema. Unfortunately, I'm only capable of doing it, it seems, with horror films. Um, I will watch all the old horror movies uh, back to back to back, not just the classics that everybody loves, but like the weird, obscure ones. I, I love the genre. And I like to see how uh, post-World War II horror was made and post-Vietnam horror was made and how that Vietnam shift changed the fucking game. Yeah. And then kind of seeing what it's developing into now with our world and our politics. So, like, I like to have a vision of the time when I go back and watch these things. And also for the... You can see the seeds of what would go on to be a trope. Yeah. You know, those angles that are really harsh. Like the scene in Texas Chainsaw where we basically just walk behind the girl's ass until she walks up the steps and it's like, oh, there's that sexualized violence, which there were only two or three movies like this, and then Texas Chainsaw fucking scared everybody. So that was like the movie, mm-hmm. and then people would study that, and then you get those 80s horror films <laughs> that are more focused on mixing the sex and the violence. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of elements in watching the old things. You can learn stuff from. I, I do think it's... I mean, that's a part of what you do when you go to film school anyway. Mm. Um, I do think it's really cool to go back and revisit. Still never seen Citizen Kane, so we should probably... <laughs> Casablanca. Like, I, I need, I've seen both. <laughs> I need you to drag me into the world of old dramas, So because I think, you know, a, a very finite amount of dramas and <laughs> things like that from mm. the old times. But yeah, I watched yeah. both of those in film school, actually. <laughs> um, but that is the thing you do in film school. You study, like, old films, and they, um, I feel like most places, mm-hmm. mine did, um, predate all the way back to, like, the silent film era and stuff. So I do I do think it's really cool to go back and watch those old films that came about long before I was ever even born, because, you know, there yeah. is a lot to learn from people having to adapt to having um, significantly less... Like films that were made when our grandparents were our age. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I feel like when there's so many limitations because technology wasn't as advanced as it is now, you do have to be more creative. So it's kind of cool to go back and study those old films. But I, uh, which part of the reason I kind of want to rewatch Candyman too, um, I do think it's also neat to go back as an adult and revisit mm-hmm. a movie that did exist when you were a kid and you can... Hopefully, if you remember it well enough anyway, um, analyze then why it affected you the way it affected you back then and kind of have an understanding of like how Mm -hmm. an adult will see something versus a child will see something. So I am kind of excited to revisit some of the because I had never seen the original Texas Chainsaw at all. So it's part of my my love with the original Pet Cemetery film. Mm hmm. It scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. I watch it, it still kind of scares the little kid inside of me. Uh-huh. You know, like you feel that, you're like, oh, 
God, no, that scene, you know. And that's another one we rewatched together, and I hadn't seen it since I was probably a teenager or a young adult. Um, it had been years mm-hmm. since I had seen it, and I had forgotten a lot of it. Yeah. So it is kind of weird remembering. I've never forgotten when that kid scapples his grandfather's Achilles tendon. Yeah, that, no. That is the scene that scared me when I was like 11 or 12 years old, and it, no. The reason that I do what I do is probably because that kid cut the Achilles tendon, and there's something about that that like makes you grab your ankle, mm-hmm. like oh god. Yeah, that is like the one scene that I like specifically mm-hmm. stuck out to me. I didn't remember Pascal at all, um, but I remembered thinking the kid was really creepy. Good name recovery. <laughs> <laughs> I only know that because we revisited that this year. Yeah, revisited it and then watched the remake yeah. of it. Like, Back to back. (laughs) If we hadn't done that, I would not remember his name. (laughs) But yeah, no, it is kind of cool to go back and watch. Not, I mean, it doesn't specifically have to be horror films. If there's a film period that like stuck with you as a kid, and then to revisit as an adult, like yeah, a lot of people, men especially, I would imagine, um, and myself included. Uh, feel that way with old western movies like I feel that way with old horrors for personal reasons and then old westerns because my grandfather used to watch the westerns mm-hmm. and so I'd go you know hang out with him or whatever and he's watching a John Wayne or a Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. or something even earlier than that you know my dad had Lonesome Dove the entire time we were growing up and there's something about those old spaghetti westerns that are really fun and I've never been a Western fan, which I feel like that is. You a have to go culture. back and like watch Fistful of Dollars, and you know, you, you, I don't know. There, there's something where you're like, kick his ass. <laughs> it's like it, it's gonna be our kid with me and Die Hard, where it's like you need to sit down and watch Bruce Willis take over Nakatomi Plaza, and he's gonna be like, I don't, I don't. I think my problem with I old, I don't, I don't know what a plaza is. <laughs> I think my problem with old westerns as an adult, like whenever I was like a little kid, I think I maybe watched that old TV show Bonanza once or twice. Yeah. But um, as an adult, I think my problem with them is they tend to be a little racist. Uh, yeah, <laughs> super racist. So they're kind of hard to sit through. But they're time pieces from mm-hmm. a racist time when yeah. we were actively genociding the Native Americans and enslaving black people. By people that were, you know pre-civil rights movement (laughs) so they're like yeah these are the words we like to watch we like to listen to Uh, i wish i could remember that one that i watched though because i know i've tried to bring it up before there was one i watched in my editing class i'm gonna actually go back and look it up one of these days the main actor was i don't i just remember really not at all because we watched it in my editing class and we kept having issues with it and we had to split it up over a couple of days and there was like a day yeah. where the sound didn't work so it was like broken up into weird chunks so I didn't really get to sit there and watch it the whole time but the only thing I remember is like they had this theme song like kind of like Jaws that played every time I guess it was the bad guy showed yeah. up and it had this very distinct like whistle sound to it and it was like really cool wada, 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 ha, ha. yeah but I can't I can't really remember at all. I don't want to put this on the recorded record, but I believe that was Fistful of Dollars. No, it's definitely not. Um, it was something... High Noon. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I'm going to look it up and try to remember. Whatever it is, that sound is a Clint Eastwood movie. We just have to go figure no, out No, it's, which... it's definitely not Clint Eastwood. Well, then it wasn't the... Howdy, 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 howdy,
Okay, well, <laughs> but it's, it's similar. It's like a weird, like high pitched whistle sound, yeah. almost like someone's playing a harmonica. Mm-hmm. I think actually it is a harmonica because I think they show the character playing a harmonica at one point. But uh, it was just a neat. Yeah. And it was a black and white movie, I think. Then it definitely wasn't the honey, honey, I could be wrong. I think it was an old black and white movie, mm-hmm. and it was actually. Kind of well done, like kind of a neat film, but I can't remember what it is, so that's no help. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to remember. Yeah, I used to, to watch those. Grandpa was a big fan of uh, the Louis L'Amour novels, and uh, you know Louis L'Amour. He wrote mm-hmm. all the old western books. He was like the Stephen King of westerns. Like <laughs> when the next time we go over to the book exchange, I saw it because they've got a whole western section, and Louis L'Amour wrote like all the books in the western section. Probably not going like, to read a western, but you can point yeah, it out to the, me. <laughs> I don't personally enjoy them. Like I was almost made to read them as a kid, and I read like five or six of them, and I was like, I get it. Like they fought the Indians, and we're not going to talk about the scalpings. You know, <laughs> once you read Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian, your whole idea of what a cowboy is changes. <laughs> I haven't read that one so. But speaking of the book exchange, though. Oh hell yeah! Jumping topics. <laughs> um, I mentioned this in. Like, Send us emails and tell us what the Wadi 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 Wah movie is. At Nightmare Box Productions at Gmail. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll Google it and figure it out. Yeah, how are you going to type that in? Waddy, 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 yeah, waddy, song? I will. <laughs> no, classic westerns. If I saw it, I would know it. Because uh, it's a very famous film. I just can't remember it. Smooth Hand Luke? No. no. That's Cool Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke? <laughs> but no. That's Smooth Hand? <laughs> yeah, no. pouring a beer. She's a little distracted. <laughs> Speaking of the book exchange, though. I'm sorry. Um, I mentioned this book like super in passing on a different episode but brett and i went and checked out the book mm-hmm. exchange together and um, want to explain what it is to people that don't live in the area yeah so there's a, a bookstore uh here in missoula called the book exchange and they have uh used books that you mm-hmm. can just go buy if you want for really yeah. really affordable prices. moby dick <laughs> less than five dollars no like, sales tax yeah ridiculously <laughs> cheap compared to what it would cost you to try to buy online or whatever but you can also bring in books which is how they get their used books mm-hmm. and exchange your old book and get a new book yeah. so um brett and i went and bought a couple of books he bought me this uh book that i have in front of me which is called digital filmmaking 101 an essential guide to producing low budget films or sorry low budget movies and uh it was the book i mentioned a couple of episodes back kind of being on the fence about buying because the reviews mentioned it was a little uh, dated because yeah. it was published in 2001. And for digital technology, <laughs> that's pretty dated. Yeah, they had Windows 95. <laughs> they were like, drag the cursor to the right hand side. <laughs> but um, to buy it online, I think it was still like a good 30 bucks or something. And it's only like less than 13. Mm. Um, but I, I cracked it open to actually read it today. I skimmed it while we were at the bookstore and uh, found like a couple of sections that intrigued me enough to get it. But I, I cracked it open for the first time today to actually start at the beginning and read it. And there is a little note that says, To Lou, love mom and dad. You know who I thought of when you sent me the picture of that autograph? Who? Uh, Fight Club. The scene uh, when Lou, the gangster, comes down and tries to break up the fights and Tyler Durden flips mm. his shit. <laughs> That's right. We're having so much fucking fun, Lou. <laughs> I forgot that character's name was Lou. 
But this book, like, I didn't even, because I literally just opened it to a random page and skimmed it. I didn't even see the front of it. I thought it was brand new. I didn't realize it was a used book. Yeah. So, Lou, shame on you. I don't think you ever even opened the book at all. <laughs> I'm <laughs> you telling your mom and bastard. dad. <laughs> I wouldn't tell him, because what if Lou killed himself before he could reach his goal? I don't and think, this was the Christmas present they bought for Lou. I don't think they would have sold his book at a book exchange if Lou killed himself. Most people in grieving tend to hoard. No. <laughs> if they were like, we were going to give it to him on Christmas, but no. fuck it, he shot himself in front of his wife on Christmas Eve. Why are you going to make it dark? Because I'm trying to come up with plot lines for my story. I'm no. sorry, I'm hijacking everything you're saying tonight. I'm, I'm not meaning to. <laughs> thinking because there's a chapter which i've not gotten very far into the book yet because i just started reading it today but there's a actually it's not a chapter it's the uh introduction part where they're talking about um the first step to committing to making a movie is telling people you're making a movie very important and um i don't know if lou gave up this book because he quit or uh maybe he just didn't like the book Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe he Needed math money. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe Lou thought the path to being a filmmaker was too difficult to follow and Lou gave up the book. Maybe Lou had better books to read. I don't know. But um, it had me kind of thinking about how we kind of have to be accountable for ourselves yeah. because uh, Brett and I have been working on this podcast for, you know, over or about half a year now, I guess. Mm-hmm. and um, Over 60 episodes. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, I'm sure you faced a lot of, which we've talked about that, like a lot of trials and struggles and stuff when you were publishing your book and all the other works that you've done. And every um, day. <laughs> and every day. God likes kicking Brett in the dick for reasons unexplained to me as a child. <laughs> and I know I've um, produced a lot of my own little short films that um, maybe didn't necessarily get the amount of attention that I wanted. And, you know, it's nice to get that positive feedback mm. and stuff from other people especially when it comes from strangers i love my friends and family but it's a little more rewarding for someone who's not obligated to be nice to you to be like hey you did good they're just looking at the work for what the work is yeah so yeah it just had me kind of thinking about how you can't put all your eggs you know in one basket you can't be creating work for the sake of someone else telling you you did a good job you have to be accountable or you donate your book to the book exchange because you gave up yeah well we received that email (laughs) Mm -hmm. where the guy was concerned that his mother um didn't want to read his work Mm -hmm. and i wrote him back and i was like hey dude like um is that really what matters do you give a fuck yeah my mom doesn't read my shit either outside of like, well, she does. That's a lie. I was going to say, your mom reads all your stuff. Well, she, she doesn't, doesn't listen to she, our podcast. Yeah, she doesn't listen to the podcast <laughs> and she doesn't read the short stories. Too but sexual. Yeah, No, she's read both of the novels. She liked one a lot. She hated one a bunch. <laughs> she liked the Madman Diaries. Um, she liked both of the novellas that I sold. And she's going to read the film once I've kind of got it ironed out. Do you think she's going to like it? Uh, (laughs) I haven't read it, so I don't know what it's about. Mom likes a twist, Mm -hmm. which is how I like a twist. Like, I grew up with an affinity for uh, thrillers and horrors because my mom loves true crime. So I'm kind of writing a true crime movie about a made-up crime. Like, I'm trying to... 
I don't know how to word it, but it, it'll make sense when the film comes out. <laughs> I can't give anything away to explain it any further than that. Uh, there is a crime that has happened. There is a crime that has happened in the past. There are characters that are aware of both of these situations, and they're trying to piece everything together. And the Nightmare Box, the original manuscript, my mom fell in love with it because she couldn't see the twist coming. And then she read it a second time and pieced it together that like from line one, I'd already given away the plot twist. But it gets so lost in the madness that when it comes back through again, everything else kind of made sense. Mm -hmm. The second film was... um, not the second film. Uh, the second manuscript was uh, way too violent with none of the plot level twists. It was just, <laughs> I was pissed off and I was sitting behind a keyboard. And some of the most violent shit that I've ever written. <laughs> Mom was like, I made it three quarters of the way through and I'm not going to lie. Tapped I out. have to tap out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she read novellas. Like I sold one. Um, about a traumatized dad who loses his kid in a school shooting. I sold another. About, I really liked that one. Yeah. I, I wrote a, another novella that I sold that was about um, basically a cannibal that lives in the basement of an abandoned cabin and finds a group of school children. And it was kind of like an homage to the evil dead and it and it had its own little flair. And she liked that one. Um, where was I starting with this thought before I just started jerking myself off? <laughs> <laughs> um, the fact that you don't necessarily need that yeah. affirmation, yeah. though. No. I mean, uh, even if your mom didn't like your work, no, it's not I, like... I like the stories that I've written, mm-hmm. and I would like to continue working on Because your mom stories. has very clearly not liked one of your works Very before. clearly. My father <laughs> didn't read a goddamn thing I've written since the sixth grade, and he's dead, so he ain't oh. <laughs> else. But, like, if I if I wasted all my time wondering if anybody ever read anything, I'd never write anything. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make a movie that my mom likes, you know? Trying to make a movie that you're proud of at the end of the day? Yeah. I want to write something that scares me so people like me can feel scared again. Like, <laughs> my mom gets scared by cable like homicide shows where she's like oh my god did you hear he cut her eye out and i'm like well it's probably because he was jealous of whoever she was looking at or he was ashamed of his own reflection and my mom's like that's a sick thought i'm like no it's the psychological angle of why you would carve somebody's fucking eyeball out of their head i think that's kind of to me i guess though the dream though is like in your world you know, you're going to know your own story better than anybody else. But if you write a book, you know, at some point you're focused on the details or the things you're working yeah. out or whatever. If I'm working on a film, you know, I'm focused on this specific scene mm-hmm. that I'm trying to figure out. And then when it all gets pieced together, if you take a moment to breathe and then go back and revisit it later, startling yourself with your own work. Yeah, is, it's I feel key. Like, yeah, like an aspiration of mine, not necessarily... Mm-hmm what other people say but go back and like watch a thing that i made and maybe i feel like we're our own worst critics always like artists so well we have it every week when we do these podcasts sometimes 
dear listener. Kristen and I take off our headphones very quietly and we sit here and look at ourselves with shame and we say, (laughs) I think I had a panic attack or the conversation (laughs) went off the rails. And then every week uh, we re-listen to it and we're like, oh, that was a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're facing that every single time we do one of these things. It's like, this is getting launched. People are listening to the situation. It's just like making a film or writing a story. Like, you're going to shock yourself and be like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Like, I made a couple interesting points. Can I interject with a quote from the book? Does it fit? It does. All right. Okay. Um, I'm almost as smart as John Gaspard. (laughs) What? You didn't introduce the author. Oh, um, Del Newton and John Gaffer. Thought I'd do that before you went to Um, And I feel like this applies to uh, any work, really, because it it takes a lot of heart and a lot of bravery to put yourself out there in that way. But, um, yeah, this is Digital Filmmaking 101, An Essential Guide to Producing Low-Budget Movies by Dale Newton and John Gaspard, I guess is how you pronounce it. And this is just in the introduction, so I'm not really giving anything away about the book. Um, Some people will tell you that making your own movie is impossible. We've heard that, and so have lots of other movie makers. What makes independent movies happen is a fierce persistence of vision, a complete unwillingness to give up even when all signs and reasons say you should. Be sure you have a bunch of this persistence stored up in your closet, in the attic, and under the basement steps before you start. You'll need all you can get your hands on. Mm-hmm. So. You can tap out whenever you want to. We're waiting on the competition pool to die down a little bit so that shit gets a little louder when we speak. <laughs> but, I mean, that's your call. You want to ring the bell? It's like what they talk about in SEALs training. It's like, when you're beaten, ring the goddamn bell. I've never been in SEALs training. <laughs> spent a lot of time with people that rang the bell and they're like, oh, I was going to be a seal. And it's like, you, no, you tapped. You're done. <laughs> I, I didn't have the balls to try it in the first place. <laughs> I'm to what most people are to writers. I am that to seals. It's like, I've got a story inside me. And it's like, do you have an extra hour a week to write the fucking thing? Yes. Oh, and you're not doing it? Go fuck yourself. Take <laughs> 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 a good long, hard, look at yourself in the mirror, and then turn it into a phallic symbol and shove it right up your ass. Get behind the computer. If you're brave enough to get behind the computer, who gives a fuck what the other person thinks who is not brave enough to get behind the computer? Who are you trying to impress who's never held a fucking camera? Who's a comedian trying to impress that never told a fucking joke? Like... Fuck those people. That's not why you do this. It's not why you're involved in it in the first fucking place. If you want to write a movie, write a fucking movie. If you want to make a film, make a film. You want to play music, play music. If you get a guitar in a goddamn pawn shop, you can do that for $35. You can get some cheap-ass, half-busted acoustic guitar, and you can write your fucking song. And if you play that song and some shithead who's never played the goddamn guitar goes, I don't like your song, beat him to death with your $35 guitar and maybe, go buy a more expensive one. Fuck that guy. Maybe don't beat him to death. Well, metaphorically. <laughs> metaphorically beat him to death, like inside of your own brain the with your guitar. This doesn't endorse murder. No, not murder, but violence. <laughs> only, only if it's in your art. 
but you get what I mean, right? Yeah. Like, there's so many people that are like, man, I, I wish my mom gave a fuck, you know? Like, for example, or my dad. I wish my dad gave a fuck. I've been the I wish my dad gave a fuck for the past 28 years. Like, sure, fine, whatever. But I, I've done something that he can't do. And so... Like in much of that same way, like if you're afraid that, you know, Courtney down the road is not going to like my love poem. And it's like, does Courtney write love poems? Has she ever tried that ever like sat there and tried to pour herself onto a page? Then who gives a fuck about her opinion? You know, <laughs> like you, I don't know. It frustrates me. People get so disheartened um, and they blame it on other people instead of turning it in on themselves. I will, as an aside, say that I have had... Moments where I felt disheartened because it was like I yeah. thought, and I'm more... not yelling at you. I'm all right, no, I, I am, know. but I'm, no. I'm not yelling at, at you. Uh, at you, no. <laughs> just saying, as an aside, for someone who's feeling a little targeted right now, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to target you. <laughs> I was that person, uh, today. So, <laughs> man, I wish I was a basketball player. It's like I don't own a basketball, so <laughs> I'm just saying, um, I will say, as an aside to this conversation um i have definitely felt disheartened that work that i had done didn't generate more interest than it did so you can have moments where you feel a little bummed or whatever and if you need to take a day off to kind of just wallow in that and that's really what you need then that's all right but then taking a day off is a brilliant idea especially if you feel like you're getting burned out or self-conscious about something but the important thing is to come back harder you know so as Eminem says in my favorite song to listen to and I'm sad I'm back on that bowl like a cowboy (laughs) (laughs) the quote got butchered so hard in a different podcast I don't remember which one but that quote got brought up in an earlier podcast and it was not not the right quote it got brought up yesterday because I was feeling sad so if it comes (laughs) off like I'm coming off like an arrogant dickhead who's never had a bad day of writing I'm not trying to do that either I have them all the time they're called all days that end in why that's not true no 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 not yeah i screwed up the saying it's i scream why god in the mirror every morning (laughs) terrible the time to get off here what are we at 40 minutes i had other topics i wanted to talk about well we can dive into i thought we were on a positive stretch i feel like you're being uh what's the word self-deprecating Self-deprecating? Self-deprecating. Deprecating? Is it deprecating? Well, I am self-deprecating, but I'm self-deprecating for a very good point. Why is it pronounced deprecating when you're talking about yourself, but if you're talking about the value of an object, it's depreciating? Have you ever thought of that? These are different words. Are they spelled differently? I believe so. Are they really? Okay, I don't know. <laughs> there's depreciate and deprecate. Yeah, because something and, depreciates in value and... Well, deprecation is... is yeah. Like the tearing down yeah. of depreciation <laughs> is like a loss of value. Yeah, well, you know, similar but concepts. But I believe they're two separate words. Similar so concepts. So that's why they sound like that. <laughs> Don't make me bottle you with So my why beer. do art and fart, uh, do, why are they not the same thing? Like for some people they are. Because they're trying to impress their fucking mothers. I'm back on point. All right. <laughs> uh, do we have enough time to get into this? I feel like this Sweet, is we got all the time in the world. Who's going to cut us off? Because <laughs> I got to edit this later. Um, okay, so back yeah, you on. got about 10, 15 minutes we can fill or we can kill it right now. It's your call. 
How do you feel? I don't know what the next topic is. So. Let's talk about the, the stuff I was talking to you about earlier. Okay. While well, we're on this weird vein of be your own cheerleader. Oh, man, um, I'm militant positivity. That's what I'm bringing <laughs> to the world today. So I haven't gotten, again, I haven't gotten very far yeah. in this book, but um, it's talking specifically about making a feature-length film, which is relevant to what Brett's writing right now. So I should probably start reading <laughs> this book. Probably finish <laughs> it in the next 15 days. <laughs> but um, they're talking about, you know, doing it on a basically non-existent budget and um, they mention when you're writing your script, which they yeah. say that the script is the most important piece when it comes to uh, movies in general, period. Yeah. But especially if you're making a low-budget film, because you're not going to have all the bells and whistles, so you need to have a solid script. Um, but part of what they're talking about is, like, limiting yourself. But to me, and maybe it's just because I'm not far enough into the book yet, it felt almost like a militantly limiting yourself yeah. versus a realistically limiting yourself. Well, the way so. you explained it, they were going complete bare bones. Like, they were renting cameras, and they were like, you get one take. Yeah, well, they were, yeah, they were talking about, like, perfecting your script first yeah. and foremost before you ever even start doing the film. And then they were saying, even while writing your script, you should write your script with the concept in mind mm -hmm. that this is something you're trying to do with no budget. So it was like, don't do like period pieces and crazy things yeah. like that. Like if you can limit yourself, only have, you know, two or three actors at most. But if you have actors in it, make sure all of the actors have lines so that when you go to try to hire actors that you're not paying, that they'll want to be in it because yeah. they actually have speaking parts. So like there was like stuff that I was like, oh, that's kind of, useful information i guess yeah, but you then don't it, have guy walks through crosswalk like yeah you, yeah and and they used the example of like a waitress in um like a restaurant or whatever like even give the waitress a line so that everybody feels valued but they like limited it so strictly down to yeah like you have this many setups and this many uh, shots you're going to do and only do one take per or whatever because time is money and you're wasting money and they are taking into consideration um, if you're renting equipment I guess they're yeah. kind of running on the assumption that you're going to have to rent equipment so I guess that is a bit different I don't have to rent equipment I own my own equipment but um, like the value in that like we shot a short film for a college project and to be fair I was in college I had access to equipment so I didn't have to pay for any of the equipment um but like we shot a short film in college where we yeah. did stunt work that seemed a little <laughs> unrealistic to other people so like where do you draw the line cuz i don't i don't think i've ever seen you write a work period where you were like i got to be realistic here let me cut this scene cuz we can't do this scene like between being realistic and just legitimately limiting yourself well when i'm writing it i don't give a fuck about the realism yeah um well the not the realism of the story, like the ability for us yeah, to Yeah, the ability it. to do it. Like, I have an active, ongoing idea for a TV show that opens with us blowing up a car. <laughs> and I fully believe that in the shooting of the concept trailer, uh, we can blow up a car. Brett lets, me, yeah, Brett as, lets me worry about how these things come to fruition, no, I, though. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. I normally make them happen. 
You're like, well, how are we going to chainsaw down a door? And I'm like, well, I'm here, and here's a chainsaw, and there's a door that I bought. So, like, we just take the thing that I have, and we put it in the thing that I have. And you stand over there with a camera, and you, like, watch Shoot it happen. I, I will buy, like, a $500 car and blow it up. Like, I'm not <laughs> Like, I'll give you everything you need to make the shot happen. Like, but I'm not how, just sitting on the sideline going, Kristen, why don't you I call the fire department? Teasing. But, like, how, how valid do you think that is? Do you think you I, should limit It's yourself? valid. Uh, I would say if you're planning on shooting an entire thing, um, which I have a concept for homework assignments that we can get to before we close this out, um that we can revisit later. But I, I, I think if you've got an idea in your head, you write the idea in your head and you write it down to the finite details to where you can hand it over to a director and it's good. And then if you're limited, you chop that down to a concept trailer and try to sell the concept. Like you try to get interest in the concept and you open up a Patreon account and you say, hey guys, we can't afford the 20 grand it's going to take to make this film but we know that we can make it on 20 grand here's the concept trailer are you interested then you also have to worry about if a production company buys you out that you won't actually get to be a part of it anymore well then they won't be able to buy it (laughs) because it's a very important thing to me (laughs) because i own a production company you can give us the money and give us somebody who stands over us and make sure that we spend the money appropriately. But outside of that, go fuck your mother. We're making the kind of films that we want to watch. But if you got a big, lavish idea, if you are writing a timepiece, I guarantee you that the writer who wrote Peaky Blinders, like the original idea, was probably eating ramen out of a coffee cup. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, th- a, do you think he had the millions of dollars that was needed to well, turn entire Birmingham I, into a timepiece? <laughs> not personally, but I guarantee that writer had done some pretty serious work before. That's a very well done show. Yeah, it's a writing team at that point, like the final process. But whoever pushed that initial idea was probably not some cushy dude. It's probably some kid in Birmingham. We'd have to look into it. Yeah, we I'm know. just using it as an example. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that, that one's very well done. I know I my favorite like... horror movie is The Last House on the Left. It was shot <laughs> by Wes Craven kids. and a bunch of college kids with a or fucking Saul. camcorder. <laughs> Saw. Bathroom. Um, which I've mentioned him before. The guy who, uh, fuck, what is his name? David Sandberg. The guy that did Lights Out, which I haven't seen Lights Out, to be fair. That movie yeah. could suck. But um, the guy that did Lights Out started just doing short films on Vimeo and... Um, Literally, his wife was his actor. Like, they would make these little short films together. And I want to say either on his Vimeo or on his Instagram or something like that, there's, like, Mm -hmm. a picture of one of these, like, homemade rigs that he had made for part of the short film Lights Out that they made and put it on Vimeo. And it went to some film festivals, too, to be fair, and won some awards at film festivals. So it wasn't like he just threw it up online and then got a movie out of it, but got a feature deal out of it. And he's now... Yeah. Like, that's what he does for a living if now. If you want to make did... paranormal activity, you can make it for 15 fucking dollars and a camera. 
Because all you have to do is make one dude jump at the camera and make something else get pulled away with fishing line. You can make that movie Mm -hmm. enough to sell it. But, I mean, it wasn't like it just ended there. Like, that kick-started his career. He's done, like, other feature films that other people have paid for. Because then they give you the money, and then you write for the money that you can now make, and eventually you wind up with the Avengers 54. (laughs) Thanos and his infinity anal beads or whatever the fuck they come up with at that point you, you try to push buttons I swear um, um, it's you the post work post work episode do what I said I know you know it's stones I know um, you haven't seen it but you know it's not anal beads no it's episode 54 we're way beyond the stones <sighs> <laughs> point is go make shit what's point three you had a third point. Did I? Yeah. I don't know. You hit me with three of them earlier, and I was like, let's do them. Mm, I don't remember. It's all gone. A beer and a sip in. <laughs> <laughs> I started to say half, and I looked over, and I was like, I'm literally just a beer and a sip in. <laughs> well, the last like important point that I had for today um, is I've want to kind of discuss with you and we can do a lot of this in private we don't necessarily if you disagree uh have to stick to this exact thing um but i wanted to kind of hit you with an idea for the homework assignments which kind of falls in line with low budget films and writing for a thing that works because i feel that writing for a thing that you're gonna shoot um makes a lot of sense i feel like you're about to hit me with something very complex I don't know what you're going to say. No, it's okay. almost ridiculously simple. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> I'm a little nervous for some reason. I'm like, oh, God. I'm not giving you a script or anything. Okay. Yeah, no, it's just stuff we've already talked okay. about. Um, and so Kristen and I are like trying to come up with homework assignments for the audience, for the filmmakers and the writers and everybody else, um, to come up with some time length, um, not a competition as much as like, let me try to, yeah. So we give you plot detail. We give you a budget. Uh, you go out, you write a story. We don't give you you money. We give you budget limitations. Budget. (laughs) Like, let's clarify Very, very, very tight budget. Very easy to manage budget. And so my idea is like, you've got a month. You know, and I'm not giving you a homework assignment right now. We'll come up with one. We'll get it. Kristen and I will do it. But I figured we could give like a month. And in that one month, you've got to come up with a five to 15 minute short film. So you've got a lot of range. If you can only come up with five minutes, you only got to come up with five minutes. If you can come up with 15, that's great. If you can come up with 30, go find somebody else's podcast. So <laughs> you've got five to 15 minutes um, with certain prescribed elements. So we may say, you know, uh, for this month's film, you've got a budget of $25, go to Goodwill. Buy three things at Goodwill with your $25. Make them key plot points. I want to see film of you going to the Goodwill or pictures. So I know that you got them in the Goodwill with my pictures of the price tag. Um, And I want to see those same three objects in your film. Or 
for this film, we're doing a black and white. You can't do anything outside of a black and white. Like, ideas like that. And then we set it up to where it's either, like, the 1st or the 30th of every month. And we let everybody make their films. Send them in. We'll pick a couple of them. We'll put them up on the website Mm -hmm. so you guys can watch them. And then we'll do a uh, bonus episode, was my thought. Where once a month we drop three in one week and we watch all of the things, we take notes on all of the things and like the five or ten or however many uh, submissions we get, we'll, we'll play it, you know, respectfully. Uh, we can do a dive into how one person did it versus how a different person did it mm-hmm. and you guys would be able to go back to the website and watch the films and discuss it amongst yourselves and then the same day that we do the bonus episode we drop the next homework assignment so you'd have another 30 days to come up with a 5 to 15 minute short film keeps everybody active Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun if we give Kristen and I a thing to write and shoot once a month that wouldn't take a whole lot of our time and I mean, it'll be more difficult for us because I do a lot of writing on the side and Kristen has to edit a shitload of these things already. Yeah. But... Hours upon hours. Oh. You know, it would be kind of cool, too. Um, I don't know how you'd realistically do it for a film, but, you know, like, I'm sure you had to do it because I definitely had to do it in college and you did way more writing than I did. But, um, you know how, like, in college they would make you do those things where you would have a chunk of a story you would write and then you would pass it to the next person they would add to it and then the next person that would add to it. That would be a it. lot of fun. I was like, that would be cool to do with a film, but I don't know how you'd realistically do it because nobody would have the same actors. What if we did like a long-term thing with that? Where like we, for three months, it was like, send us your thing and then we shot other people's scripts around and like broke them up into groups or we had people sign up on the Facebook page. And then broke their stories into groups and well, then passed them on and then people got to like build little communities. That would be fun too, but I meant literally like if I shot fifteen minutes of film and then it was like oh, it's your turn, oh, oh, okay. you shoot the next I fifteen you just minutes. Meant the script. Well yeah. scripts too, which scripts are probably way more practical <laughs> because <laughs> it would be like you and I would act in the first fifteen minutes and then Stacy and Bob would act in the next fifteen minutes so it wouldn't work out. <laughs> In a but, film, but yeah. it, I was like sitting there listening to you. I was like, that'd be kind of a neat concept if we all just shot a community movie. Like kind of like telephone. That would be <laughs> fucking awesome. We're like we picked a winner. That would be a yearly thing we could do. We pick a winner from each month, and then that becomes our crew. So like it's you and I and the twelve people that have won from the month, or however many people. Maybe one dude just kicks ass ten months straight. We've only had a crew of four people. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, we develop, like, a game of telephone with each other to drop the December episode. But I'm, I'm bouncing around ideas in my brain for what? homework assignments. We can't give them all away there, love. Okay. <laughs> got got to leave them something to write us about. So if you guys would be interested in, like, the homework assignment side of things, um, hit us up on Facebook or write us an email if you've got anything that you would like to do that like you want to do but you don't have an excuse to do it and you just need like a, your own personal NaNoWriMo you know to make it fucking happen and if get the rough draft you need me to draft. come beat you up with Lou's abandoned book exactly 
Kristen and I are always willing and ready to read your emails, reply to your messages, and give you all the militant positivity that one can possibly fucking handle. But I think that's time. You got anything else to say? Nah, we'll save it for the next one. We got, we, I got plenty of notes left. I think you've got plenty of notes left. How do you feel about this episode? It sucked. It's the worst ever. Do you want your mom to listen to it? She doesn't. <laughs> Probably not, actually. Yeah, mom lost me a long time ago. Mom's like, I made it three episodes in, and then you started talking about like fucking your third grade teacher, and it, it was a problem. So <laughs> that didn't happen, but all right. Something about my third grade teacher. It's always something about my third grade. Fuck that cunt. <laughs> if I can find one person I want to approve of my work, it's my third grade teacher. But simultaneously, I hope that, you know, her kids were almost starving to death and ate her for sustenance. All right, then. All right. So if you want to send us an email, uh, you can do that at nightmareboxproductions at gmail. Um... <coughs> Things. There are things that we have where you can reach us. Facebook. Facebook. It's facebook.com slash nightmareboxproductions. Go over to the Instagram and take a picture of whatever the fuck you're doing right now. Not eating your third grade teacher, that's for sure. That would be at nightmareboxproductions. If you, if you want to tweet me about your desire to eat your third grade teacher, uh, no photos attached, please, that would be at nightmareboxpro. We can go over to youtube.com slash Kristen Pennington. You can watch the dolls. You can watch everything Kristen's working on and will and be can, working on. You can feel free to tell me how I suck. Big, but fuck it. <laughs> Do that right there at the nightmarebox.com thing blog. Whatever the fuck <laughs> the that is. The nightmarebox.blog. Yeah. <laughs> or the you, can, yeah, you can go over to the website. And uh, the book's at the bottom right, and the dolls is once again up in the top right. There's a couple of stories that are on there. Eventually, after this month, I'll get better about getting you one story a week like I used to do. I get it. Quit fucking telling me that I was better before. <laughs> and also, go check out The Art of Wargaming featuring Yaga and Oni. Um, they're it's doing big things over there. Secondary podcast that we we host. We don't. We're production. Yeah, we produce. We produce. That's, we produce. Yeah. We don't host it. Yeah, well, our production it. company hosts it on our site, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, we produce it. We don't. We're not. It's confusing. you won't find Brett and I on that show. Yeah, but po- post, it is our po- show. No, you can find me on the first episode because <laughs> I produced it. You can find them forever apologizing to me about having to edit it, <laughs> but I am not on it. <laughs> But that's the end of the post, 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 work, work, work episode. So, I love you, sweetheart. I love you. What are we having for dinner? Food. (laughs) To food. (laughs) I love you. I love you. And I love you guys. And we'll talk to you later this week.